Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute, episode number 27. This is actually a little bit different. This is a recording of a webinar I did for the Exemplar Global Food Safety Expo over in Australia, and we're bringing it to you this week. It's the Strive presentation and all about how to have hard conversations at work. So get out your pen and paper. Bring your journal, sit down and think about how you too can have the hard conversations at work. See you on the inside. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannensteel. As the CEO of Dirigo Food Safety, and with more than 18 years of specialised experience across health sciences, food safety, quality logistics, audits compliance and manufacturing solutions, Dr Michelle Fannin-Stills' breadth of knowledge and depth of available resources help businesses grow, comply with regulations and inspire consumer trust. Michelle has extensive experience as a food safety consultant and educator. Take it away, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's delightful to be here. And I am Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. I run Dirigo Food Safety and the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute. And today I'm here to have a conversation with you all about something we don't talk about a whole lot at work. And it's about how to be happy, how to be successful, and how to have hard conversations to improve performance at work. That's your performance and the performance of your team. You know, folks, we spend 80% of our waking lives with the people that we work with. Wouldn't it be nice if it didn't suck all the time? That's what we're here today to have a conversation about. So, we have some learning objectives that I just thought I would go over. You know, I'm not, um, I hate reading slides to people, so I'm going to let you look at these learning objectives while we are um, getting, our, getting ourselves together here. And so what I wanted to point out to you is, is that this idea that circumstances drive thoughts is a life-changing realization for me. Okay, all the work that I've done and what we're going to talk about today is about separating out what are the facts of what's going on versus what are we thinking about what's going on. And if that's what you take away from this today, that will be absolutely amazing. So how we're going to do that is, is I'm going to present my STRIVE model for understanding how you think, okay? It's a, it's a problem-solving methodology, and I use it every day in my life. I use it with my kids. You know, my nine-year-old didn't want to go to school today, and I did a quick strive, you know, like, I don't diagram it out with him, of course, but I did a quick strive to, you know, ask probing questions of a nine-year-old to figure out why didn't he want to go to school, and it worked. <laughs> so I, wanted, I want to encourage you to not just consume this information, but to really go and apply it in your life so you can turn your thinking into feelings and feelings into actions, okay? And so by the end of this presentation, 
you will understand all of your major barriers to effective change in your facility. And that's what we're really hoping to get out of this. So grab a pen and paper and join me, and this is gonna be a great time. So this is how it all works, okay? You have to decide what you are going to do, all right? That's where it all comes from, okay? And if you need help in deciding what you are gonna do, well, I have good news for you. The methodology I'm gonna teach you today helps you arrive at decisions. But step one is absolutely to decide what you're gonna do, all right? Then you have to write down what you're gonna do because you have to commit. It's all about the commitment. It's about the commitment to having hard conversations. And then my friends, you gotta do it. All right, you just gotta go out there and you gotta figure out how you're gonna do it and you gotta be okay with failing forward because that's how we take massive action. And then once you've done steps one, two, and three, then you're gonna figure out what happened, figure out the things that went right, figure out what the things were that went wrong. And that's where all of this thought work comes in. All right, so why do we do thought work? Well because we need to figure out what happened. You know, so many of us think that we are at the mercy of our, of our lives and we're constantly reacting. But the truth of the matter is, is you can take control of that. And in your facilities, you can figure out what's going on by understanding your own thinking and by applying, applying the STRIVE methodology. Because all of this is a learned and learnable skill. I learned it. Nobody grows up knowing how to do this. Okay, so my kids might grow up knowing how to do this because I use it at home, but this is a learned and learnable skill, friends. There's so many things out there that are learned and learnable skills. And so here's where we're gonna start. We're gonna start with our circumstances. Circumstances are the facts of our existence, okay? They are the things that uh, anybody could agree on. Okay, you are sitting down, you're watching a webinar on a computer. That's a circumstance. What you think about the webinar, well, that is a thought. <laughs> All right, and so our circumstances drive our thoughts. And I, if you only take away one thing from this entire webinar, I want you to take away and I want you to write this down. Thoughts are optional. All your thoughts are optional. Do they come to your brain unbidden? Absolutely, but that doesn't make them non-optional. And there are ways we can learn to hit the pause button on those thoughts that we don't wanna have. All right, so your thoughts are optional and there are so many that we can actually do something about because they're not serving us. And so from our thoughts, we actually get our feelings. And feelings are everything. We, everything that's happened in the world is because, well, somebody had a feeling. All right, and so we do this work, I do this work at, uh, with facilities, and when we talk about feelings, well, you know what we do? We bring out a feelings wheel. <laughs> it's okay to talk about our feelings at work, but think about your own feelings first before you go out and you try and coach somebody else on what they're feeling, because you gotta clean your own self up first before you work with somebody else. So from feelings, we get all of our actions. That's why feelings are so important. Everything you have ever done is in your life. Every action that maybe then turned into a circumstance <laughs> uh, is because of a feeling that you had. And then finally, it's our actions that drive our results. 
if you don't have the results that you want in your life, it's because you don't have the thoughts that drive those results. Okay? And so then everybody says, okay, but how do I know what I'm thinking? Well, that's where strive comes in. Strive is all about asking the questions you need to ask so that you can solve problems at work. All right? It's all about separating out your circumstances from your thoughts. And it goes like this. It starts with safe. The first letter of strive is S and it's for safe. And we ask the following questions. Are people in your facility physically safe? Everything starts from there. You know, you can go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you can look at the things that people need to have in order to be successful in life. And one of the things people really, really need to be is they need to be physically safe. And when I do this work with customers in their facility and they come to me with a problem, okay, you know, I had, I had one of the more, one of the more recent ones was uh, somebody wasn't hitting their fill weights and they were making, um, they were making soups and weren't hitting their fill weights. And of course that's a problem and they're not meeting specification and, and all of the things that happen when you short weight, which is never good. Well, I pulled out Strive and I asked the production manager, okay, are people physically safe to do the, do the filling correctly? And he looked at me and it was like Paul on the road to Damascus. The scales fell from his eyes and he was like, oh my God, I just thought about the setup and they're not. Because in order to like start the process or, or continue the process, of filling correctly, the workers actually risked getting burned. And so of course they weren't doing it correctly. So I want you to go and I want you to look around your facility if you are having problems and ask yourself the very first question, are people physically safe to be doing the tasks that you're asking them to do? If the answer to that question is no, then I want you to file that away. All right, so you're gonna do this on a piece of paper, just get out a piece of notebook paper, write S and then the, write the letter P next to it, and, and, and that's physically safe, okay? And then make your notes about how people may not be physically safe in your office. If they are, then write down, yes, people are physically safe, and let's drive on. Let's drive on to financially safe. Are people in your facility financially safe enough to solve problems? And this actually has a compounding question, do they think you are financially safe enough? Or are people walking around with the impression that the doors are about to close or that their budget is about to get axed? Or that it's their responsibility to take care of the operating budget? You know, I had um, another client, and this was in a ready-to-eat lobster facility, and they have a great workforce and it's like totally my pleasure to work with them and, and drive continuous process improvement but we were watching the videos one day and we saw somebody one of the workers and he was handling the uh the refuse container and he would uh turn around and he would move the refuse container 
but the thing is, is that he wasn't production sanitation. He was just a production worker. And it's production sanitation that's supposed to be moving around the refuse containers, because of course we don't want people touching the refuse container and then going in and touching the product, right? That's suboptimal, as we say, in ready to eat food. And we looked at it and then we went and we asked him, we're like, hey buddy, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I am right here. I don't want you guys to have to get production sanitation all the way over there. I'm sure they're over there doing important business. I can just do this here. And it was actually kind of a financial safety conversation because he wanted to make sure that he was husbanding the resources of his employer. And while that's amazing, it comes from a place of scarcity. And when we have conversations about scarcity, then that's when we have these, these feelings of being financially unsafe. And so we gotta clean that sort of stuff up. So think about problems in your facility and whether or not people are financially safe to go do the things that they are doing. All right, and then the next one, this, one's, this one is also challenging. Are people emotionally safe out on your work floor? Do you have a Me Too problem? Are people getting sexually harassed? Are people getting bullied, okay? Is there racism? Is there ageism at your facility? I have been in facilities where all of those things are happening and I can tell you they are not very good at solving problems because if, you're, if you have women who are supposed to be going and doing inventory and every time they walk into the, the closet where you store your PPE, they're, and, and somebody's coming up and pinching them, which I have been there when that has happened, they're getting sexually harassed at work and they're never gonna do the job. And so guess what? You're gonna lose money because you have no idea what's going on with your inventory. You gotta control that stuff and you gotta clean that stuff up. People aren't emotionally safe at work. They don't care about you, your company, and your bottom line. All right, so next in, in, in Strive is train. So are people trained, okay? And there are like five real things that we look at. And I don't wanna overemphasize training because one of the things that we can go down a rabbit hole with in food is by assuming that just putting in more training is gonna do the trick, because it isn't. Remember, at the top of this presentation, I asked everybody to not just consume the information that I'm presenting to you, but actually go out and apply it. So I want you to ask yourself about your training. How much are you emphasizing just consuming the training, just sitting there in the training classes, nodding your head, answering the questions correctly? Yes, I know what a critical limit is. Yes, I know what a sanitation standard operating procedure is. And how much are you emphasizing people actually going out and applying it, okay? And so that all being said, there are some things that people actually need to know, all right? They need to know the specifics of what you make or sell. This is always the first question that I ask people, what do you make, how do you make it, and where do you get your raw materials from, all right? The people need to know what standard operating procedures apply to them in their job. Are you overcomplicating it? Dude, does your, the person who runs your scale have like six pages of standard operating procedures they're supposed to understand? Because I promise you, they don't. All right, have you made it as simple as you need to for how you do it here? 
are people trained in the technical skills? Can they fillet a fish? Can they break down a cow? Can they, you know, pack a and, and hot seal coming out of a, a steam jacket kennel? Can they run the trade pack machine? Do they have the technical skills to do what it is you're asking them to do? All right, and then those last two, it's so important as our food production gets more complicated that people understand that everybody is a leader. Folks, you cannot inspect safety and quality into your process. It has to actually be there. And the people on the line who actually touch the food are the ones who can do the most about safety and quality in your system. All right, and that requires systems management and systems thinking. No longer are we sitting there in our cubicles by ourselves. Go out, learn about systems management, learn about systems thinking and apply it and train your people on it because you will be blown away by the results. All right, next, let's talk about respected. And we've kind of talked a little bit about this already, but let's just dive into that. First, I wanna have a conversation about worthiness, and then about boundaries, and then about owed respect and earned respect. So here's the deal. We have respect for other people when we have respect for ourselves. When we come to the world as if we are not broke and we don't need fixing, as if we are worthy and we are lovable for who we are, not what we do, okay? Everybody is lovable as they are on the planet. And before you dive off into, oh my God, she can't be talking about XYZ person. I am talking about XYZ person. And the reason that you're diving off into that conversation is because it's an easier conversation to have for most of us than having the conversation about our own internal worthiness. You are worth it and you are lovable for who you are and how you show up at work. All right. But that does not mean we don't have boundaries. Okay. We can, you know, we can think everybody is worthy at work, but that doesn't mean they are allowed to sexually harass us at work, okay? We have boundaries about what people can say and what people can do. We also have expectations of what people are supposed to do at work, right? And those expectations come from, and the ability to set out those expectations come from the ode of respect that we have. So you have a title in your company and there's a certain level of respect that you garner because of the title of who you are in your company, okay? And then we have earned respect and that's the respect that you gain by how you show up at work. And it's so important to have a balance between those two things, okay? Too much owed respect and we're in a company of people who only say yes and too much earned respect and we're in a company where nobody pays any attention to anybody who hasn't been there for less than 20 years and there are no new ideas. Balance that stuff out, okay? And come to it from the place of compassion that everybody is worthy, all right? So then the next one, this is another fairly common conversation that we have, the I in STRIVE stands for invested in. You know? There are multiple different ways. These are just some of the ways that we can invest in our workspace, in ourselves, and in our employees, okay? 
one of the most common ones is financially. I mean, you know, we are asking people to trade time for money. The better financial investment that you make in your people, oftentimes the better return that you get. You know, my goal in life is to pay people the absolute best that I can to give them six weeks paid vacation. All right. Now you're going to say you run a services company. That's all well and good for you. I promise you there are ways to financially invest in your people in meaningful ways that make a difference. The next way you can invest in people is in the professional development and networking of absolutely everybody. And I'm including the people who clean up on third shift. What if we taught those people how to network? Okay. Imagine the number of employee situations you would, you know, employee shortage situations you would figure out if you taught your employees how to network and they were the ones out helping fill your staffing positions. We're in a, we are in an absolute crunch here in the U.S. at least around not only do we have so many jobs going begging, we have this high rate of turnover. And when you invest in people, you actually lower all of that stuff. All right. Invest in their professional development. Teach them how to go to networking events, teach them, you know, send them to CE events, continuing education events. Everybody can learn something, even through webinars, especially through webinars nowadays, I have to say. Um, and, and do more than just sit them down in front of the same video that runs in the cafeteria all the time. That just encourages consumption of training and not actually application of training. The next thing that you can do is you can invest in the health of your employees. And I'm not going to lie, this is a very different conversation in the United States than it is in many, many other countries because of the status of how we operate our healthcare system here. So I'm not going to dive into that too much, but there are multiple ways of, of investing in the health of your employees because, of course, I know all y'all have personal hygiene programs that say employees don't get to work with the food when they are sick. So the more we can invest in the health of our and well-being of our employees, the better workforce we're actually going to have. The next way that you can invest in people, and this actually is different from financially investing in them, is help people create goals, acknowledge their goals, and reward them. <laughs> okay? Imagine, you know, if you communicated clearly the results that you are trying to get and you gave people re rewards for actually getting those results. And then finally, another super common way to invest in people is through good workspace design. You know, remember that example that I gave where people didn't feel safe doing their fills correctly because they risk getting burned? Well, folks, that is lousy workspace design. How well designed is your workspace? How much walking around and those kind of wastes do you have in your facility that actually decrease the output of your workers? What sorts of investments can you make in workspace design? It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You know, it might cost the time of a meeting and say, hey, folks who work out on the production floor, can you think of any ways we could set this place up better so that you can do your job better? You're gonna blow your employees away if you ask that question. And that gets us into valued, all right? I want you to think about how do you value your employees at work? Are people valuable for how they show up? Do you see other people as worthy? 
And do you have compassion for them for the life circumstances that they are in? Do you communicate with them in the ways they need to be communicated with? I know in, in, in all of our third party audits, there's a part of the scheme that says signs have to be in the language that people communicate in, that they read in, that they, uh, that they speak and that they can understand. Well, I don't want you to stop there. I want you to think about whether or not it's just signage that does your communication or if there are other ways that you are communicating your values to your employees. That's a super interesting question. So then that brings us to empowered and are people empowered at your facility? Are they allowed to be uncomfortable and drive forward anyway? Do you let yourself experience discomfort and drive forward anyway? And I'll get to more on that in a minute. But what the true test of how empowered people are at your facility is whether or not they can fail without fear of retribution. And I'm talking about real failures, okay? I'm not talking about they forgot to write down the critical limit. I am talking about real failures where they try something new to get a different result because you don't like the result that they have, okay, or they don't like the result that they have. Are they allowed to fail forward? It is the company that can fail forward at every level where people can try new things and not be called out for them not working that is a truly empowered culture. And so what does this all mean? That's great, Dr. P. I know how to ask the questions. I can go back through this webinar. I can think about circumstances and thoughts and feelings and actions and results. And then I can take strive and I can figure out what all those, what all those questions mean around and do it around a particular problem. But this is where we really figure out what happened. And this is really how we have those hard conversations because those hard conversations start with ourselves, And they start with this model around figuring out what the circumstances are, what we think about those circumstances, what feelings our thoughts generate, what actions come out of those feelings, and what are our results. So take strive and apply it to that so that you can separate out your circumstances from your thoughts. And that's how you figure out what happened. Because your circumstances never dictate your feelings, your thoughts dictate your feelings. And figuring out what happened and sitting down and writing it out is an unparalleled way of driving yourself forward. But it doesn't always happen that way, right? Because we said we were gonna do four things. We were going to commit to what we wanna do. We were gonna write it down. We're gonna do it, and then we're gonna figure out what happened. And a big piece of figuring out what happened is understanding this concept of buffering. Buffering is hugely important because buffering is most of the time why we don't do what we said we're gonna do. And this is what buffering looks like. Buffering is moving ourselves into false pleasure. And I have some news for you guys, all right? The truth of the matter is, 
is that life is pretty much 50-50. It's 50% full of joy and happiness and abundance and we're all doing well, and about 50% really pretty negative, all right? And this is actually not a bad thing because without the positive feelings, all right, we wouldn't have any of the negative feelings and without any of those negative feelings, our positive feelings would be meaningless. If we were happy all the time, we wouldn't know any different. But what happens is, is that we are taught that we're supposed to be happy all of the time. So then we think something's really, really wrong when we feel negative. And we say, oh my God, I, I have to stop feeling negative. This feeling is so uncomfortable and I don't wanna be here. I have to stop feeling negative. And so what we do is, is we try and move out of that negative space and we dive into false pleasures. And false pleasures are things that, you know, they give us a dopamine hit right in, the, in, in that moment, but they don't really last, okay? And we spend all of our emotional energy moving into false pleasures, like overeating, over drinking, coming onto Facebook, you know, uh, hey, I know people who, who buffer by doing um, self-help work, you know, because it's easier to sit there in our heads than to feel our feelings. <laughs> okay, so all of these false pleasures that we have, all right, that help us avoid our feelings are all temporary. But what happens is, is we expend all of our emotional energy seeking false pleasure. And guess what? Those negative feelings, they're still there. I want you to think about it like a beach ball. So imagine you are out in a lake, okay? And it's a beautiful day and you're out swimming and there's this beach ball and it comes up to you and it starts whapping you in the face. And the wind is such that it's just pressing right against your face and the, and the waves keep having it hit you in the cheek. And you're like, oh my God, this is so annoying. So what are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna take that beach ball and you're gonna shove it underwater. And it takes so much effort to keep it underwater and keep it underwater. And you have to keep applying that pressure to put it under, to, to, to put it underwater and keep it there. But what ends up happening? Well, you get exhausted uh, and then you let go. And well, then what happens? Well, it just shoots straight the heck back up and hits you in the face again. And there it is. Well, that beach ball, my friends, is your negative feelings, okay? And if you don't learn how to deal with your negative feelings by just feeling them, by saying, okay, huh, I'm feeling really anxious. Wow, I'm feeling really sad. Wow, I'm really panicked. And take a deep breath and really lean into those feelings. It can be super difficult to ever let the air out of that beach ball, all right? And that's how you get the beach ball to go away. It's not by shoving it underwater. It's by saying, huh, these are the feelings that I'm feeling. Because if you show up to this work, you are gonna bring up a whole host of feelings. And those feelings are gonna be half the time negative. Now the good news is, is half the time they're positive, but we really kinda of don't have to do the thought work on the positive side, now do we, right? Because those are all thoughts that are serving us. It's the thought work on the negative side. You know, and I will tell you that client whose who's, uh, employees were risking getting burned by doing their job correctly, 
said that to me and I said, huh, so that's a super interesting thought because it's not a circumstance. My employees risk of getting burned is not a circumstance, it's a thought. The temperature of where their arm is going is the circumstance. The thought is my employees risk getting burned and my client was so brave because he said, oh my God, Dr. P, I am so ashamed. And he sat there and he was like, wow, I am so ashamed. And we sat there with that shame, okay? Is it easy to feel shame? No. Is it super hard to feel shame at work in front of your food safety consultant? Yes. But he was so brave. And that's what this takes. It takes bravery to face up to your feelings, to be vulnerable to your feelings. And that's what I'm asking you to do at work because that's what makes all the difference, okay? When you allow those feelings to come through, you will understand what actions you are creating in the world and then what results you're getting. And if you don't like your results, well, then you have to change your thoughts because most of us want to go and change the circumstances, but it doesn't work like that. You can change, everybody knows you can change circumstances. If you have the same thoughts, you're still going to generate the same results. Go out there and commit to a new change you want to see at work, okay? Figure out a result that you don't like that you're getting and decide today before the end of this webinar on what you're going to change. Be uncomfortable and have the hard conversations. The first thing that you're going to do is you're going to coach yourself, all right? Do the Strive models. Open a journal. All right, write down whatever the circumstances and then write down your thoughts. Do a thought download on all of those circumstances. Go through the Strive model as part of your thought download and ask yourself, are people safe to solve this problem or to, or to, to change this, if, we're, if you want to change the circumstance? Are people safe? Are they trained? Are they respected in? Are they... Have, has management and the company invested in them? Are they valued and are they empowered? Can you fail forward into a new future? And then what you have to know is, is that you don't know how to do this. If you knew how to have the new results, guess what my friends? You would have the new results. You have to be able to show up to the conversation and stand in your own truth. Because I will tell you what, truth creates wealth. It creates wealth for you and it creates wealth for your company in a myriad of different ways. So when you show up to the conversation from a, from a space of truth and acknowledging how things are really going on at work, it changes everything. When you treat yourself and others as 100% worthy, that they are worthy being there for who they are and not what they produce, you will be blown away by the difference in the conversations and the conversations won't be as hard. And it all comes back, my friends, to coaching yourself, to doing this work, to showing up, to committing to the change and showing up to being in discomfort, to staying in that negative space, even though part of you is going to be like, this really sucks. But when you do it well, you're gonna find out that that discomfort doesn't last for very long, okay? 
and you can drive forward and you will be so much happier if you just allow the negativity and the discomfort as you are having these conversations with yourself and you're having conversations with other people. And that's how we have the hard conversations to improve performance. I'm Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele from Dirigo Food Safety, and it's been delightful having you here on this webinar. Thank you, thank you so much. If you'd like to get in touch with us, there are our websites. Here's my contact information. I so look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Michelle. That concludes today's presentation. Thank you for watching. Hey, foodpreneurs. Have you thought about joining that power group and you're not really sure how to do it as a corporation? Well, I have super news for you. Starting this month, we are actually having corporate subscriptions to the power group where up to five people can join the power group. Y'all get workbooks, you get access to the membership site, access to the calls, emails to me to ask questions, uh, so that you can come together and grow as a group. And I'm offering this super amazing value at just like, I mean, 50% off of the regular price. So five people from your corporation can join up with the power group for only $5.97 a month. It's super amazing. I would love to see you there. And if you want to join up, you can go to www dot sfbdi.com slash power group and click on that second button on the page that says I'm interested in a corporate subscription and it'll take you right through there. Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day. You've been listening to Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele on the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast. We hope you loved the show. For more information and show notes, please find us at sfbdi.com. Thanks for listening.